Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following is a talk I gave on Maui in January of 2010 at a Unity Fellowship gathering in a beautiful historic church on the island. This talk is based on seven qualities of awakened awareness, which had formed the basis of my second book, Passionate Presence. to be here. This is like uh, being in heaven here. (laughs) I planned to talk about seven qualities of awakened awareness. And this is actually based on a book that I wrote a number of years ago. Because I began to realize in my retreats that I was leading, in silent retreats, that there were certain qualities that would just emerge when people were in what you could call their right minds and hearts. Without any effort, these beautiful qualities would emerge. And I propose that we just experience these qualities this morning as we go through them. I'll just be the um, rent-a-mouth, and, and we'll all experience these qualities because they are innate to us each. So the first one is silence, and it is really the foundation for all the rest. And I invite us all to just tap into that place in yourself, very familiar, that is just quite calm. Even though you have thoughts, maybe some of the thoughts are even troubling, But it doesn't matter because when you tap into this place of calm, you can sense a lot of space around even the most troubling of thoughts. So let's just start there. Start in our sweet spot, resting in being. That's easy enough since we're all being. Just the simplicity of being, calm, quiet inside. This beautiful quality of silence, you could call it a quietness of the heart. And that doesn't mean you can't speak or sing or dance or shout or (laughs) laugh, but that it comes from, is informed by this simplicity, just this ease of being. And as we relax there, as we just rest there, we might become aware of certain other qualities that might arise. Maybe one or two of these qualities I'm about to speak about are very familiar to you. Maybe others less so, but you will know them nevertheless. And here's one that we all, I think, know when we're sitting in our quiet and that is tenderness. We feel a tenderness for life, for all the little creatures, for all the little forms that are coming and going in time. We feel a connectedness, a beautiful, sweet tenderness. And sometimes it even breaks our heart. Sometimes it's almost unbearable 
to feel such incredible tenderness. And I think maybe sometimes people shy away from it. They armor themselves and distract themselves because it's just so delicate a feeling. But when you really give into it and let your heart feel it, you feel so much love. And you are able to meet almost anyone, perhaps anyone, but almost anyone, let's say, in the place that they're hanging out. You feel this tenderness and you see someone and you're just there. Your empathy level is so high. Many years ago, I was in India with some friends Jack Cornfield, if you've ever heard of him, and a few other friends, we were in Bodh Gaya, uh, the place where the Buddha was thought to have been enlightened. We were hanging around there, and we began hearing rumors that a group of people were staying at the Gandhi Ashram, a bunch of um, social scientists and others, psychologists, because a boy had been found who had been living among dogs a little tiny boy who had been apparently found among dogs, a wild, wild little creature, this boy. And these people were trying to rehabilitate him, and and uh, it was a very big, exciting thing in the newspapers. So the Dalai Lama happened to be in town, and he was invited to, he wanted to meet this boy. And uh, Jack and I and a couple of our friends were invited to this meeting. So it was very interesting to be going to this meeting. And I was expecting to feel amazing compassion for this child. But when I was actually in the room with the child, the child was so different, such a different creature. And I was quite a bit younger. This was uh, almost 30 years ago. I felt a kind of uneasy sense like as if you saw something that was half human and half animal. So I was noticing my own kind of reaction to the boy. But the Dalai Lama, they, they brought the boy over to the Dalai Lama, and the Dalai Lama started immediately patting him like he was a dog. And I could see the social scientists who'd been working to try to make the boy more human were kind of like... But the Dalai Lama began making sort of doggy sounds to the boy, meeting him exactly where he was, speaking his language. And this child, who I could see before that was very nervous, just relaxed and kind of curled up at the Dalai Lama's feet. And the whole while, the social scientists are sort of telling the Dalai Lama, he's asking questions of them, and they're telling him various things. And all the while, he's stroking this boy. And I, it was such an example in the language of the heart. When we are in our tenderness, we don't have a need to make someone understand us. All we need to do is understand them. You move from saying, please see me, please understand me, please know me, to I would love to know you. Tell me about you. Let me find a way to meet with you. 
tenderness is something that comes naturally to all of us because we are connected. So we, as we sort of get out of our own way, we feel the connection very strongly. Another beautiful quality that comes in our relaxation, nothing we have to strain to get, is genuineness or authenticity. Because you start to feel that you really don't have anything to prove. You don't have to contort yourself in any way to get people to like you because it's actually you like you. (laughs) So in this genuineness, in this willingness to just be as you are, there's a there's a great there's a natural humility and some might even think it looks sort of vulnerable but actually it's the source of your truest strength when you're really willing to just be genuine then you don't have to first of all you don't have to try very hard anymore <laughs> you don't have to dissemble you realize that you will not compromise your integrity because it's just simply not worth it. It's not worth your peace of mind to compromise your integrity. So being genuine, being authentic, is actually the easiest path through. Another quality, again, that comes completely naturally is that of embodiment. You realize that you are a creature of this earth. And you begin to walk very gently on it. You begin to realize not just the interconnection with the other humans, but that you are this living system that is taking in moisture that is, you know, that is from the clouds and the oceans that have given rise to the clouds and that an entire uh, process of photosynthesis is happening all the time in everything that is giving the sustenance through which we all live. You begin to realize, without any trying to, even without studying anything, you begin to look at everything as though it were your own self. My teacher, Punjaji in India, used to say, when you have this realization, you walk in the world as an emperor, and just like an emperor goes out in the world and thinks, oh, it's all my own, you also go out and feel this sense of same-same, not in ownership, but in connectedness. Embodiment so that you are understanding of what it costs to live. And then, as a result, there's just a much more conscious, a much more generous flow in your life. Not in any kind of, uh, not out of idealism,
Another quality that comes is that of discernment. You get, when you're very relaxed, and we all know this very well, you know, you're in the shower, for instance, and suddenly an idea blazes through, or there's been a problem, and suddenly the the solution to the problem zooms by, right? There you are, minding your own business, taking a shower. In your relaxation, your own mental landscape is freed up. There's a lot of space And it gives rise to your genius and your clarity of mind. You can see things easily. You hear things. You notice things. You're no longer sleepwalking through your life. You're very precise. You see it all. Discernment. Without straining or without furrowing your brow, You just see, you hear, you sense, you taste, you notice very, very easily. Then there's the quality of delight. As we relax, as we, we really let ourselves be, we don't have to prove anything, we don't have to attain anything, we're not straining for anything, we're just relaxed, it gives rise to our own inner delight. Isn't it the case? And pretty soon, you find that there are so many delightful things. (laughs) You, You laugh easily. Now, that doesn't mean you don't cry easily as well. You might. You might cry easily as well. They usually go together because there's a free flow. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful uh, story. Do, you, do many of you know the, the Sufi poet Rumi? Yeah? So Rumi was asked once, and the Sufis, by the way, for those who don't know, are a group who are famed for their joy. They are, they're very into ecstatic dance and being up all night and drinking and loving. And <laughs> they're very, a very ecstatic group. So somebody said to Rumi, one of his students said, Master, what would you say is the definition of a Sufi? And he said, a Sufi is one whose heart is broken. Now think about that, that the joyousness actually does come through a broken heart. I personally only hang out with the broken-hearted, actually. Because <laughs> they, they know how to laugh, and they know how to cry, and they know how to uh, love. So this quality of delight that does come with a willingness to cry as as appropriate is also is also an incredible gift because let's face it there is a lot of sorrow in the world and a lot of people are very caught in that sorrow they're very much in the story of sorrow without a, ba- a, a counterbalance of joy 
So when you let your light shine a little brighter when you're around other people, you might even let it be a little more as though you're on stage. It's a gift. It reminds, it's very contagious. It reminds people it's okay. It's okay to feel happy. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to appreciate. And this is another quality of the delight is gratitude, the true open secret to peace of mind. In this delight, you're also living in a, a, a swirl of gratitude. And it just keeps feeding itself. In neuroscience, we are now discovering that there is something called mirror neurons. And when we are with someone, there's a certain way that our neurons are interacting that, that heretofore was not really understood. So, for instance, when you're around someone who's very angry, you can, you can feel it. It starts, it does something. It starts something up in your own brain. And when you're with someone who's very calm and very easy and very delightful and very happy, that also is sending very strong neurological signals to you. So this is a great thing to understand about how there's a loop of connectedness. And at the same time, too, as you, in a, in a way, um, encourage this kind of happiness in your brain, the neural pathways for happiness become stronger. Your thoughts, if you are thinking positive, happy thoughts more often, it will actually induce tracks in your brain that then go to more positive, happy thoughts more frequently. Conversely, negative thinking does the same. If you, if you think a lot of negative thoughts, if you sort of dwell in negativity, that will also unfortunately create the habit in your brain. It will lay down tracks of neural pathways. So this is yet another reason that it's good to redirect your attention into happiness, into delight, into joy, into gratitude. And it's very easy to do. It's, it's dead easy. You know, you're in the middle of your full-blown horrible story. And, and you go, snap out of it. What's happening right now? What is the reality that I'm sitting in right now? And inevitably, almost always, almost every time you ask yourself that question, things are just fine. <laughs> In fact, from the perspective of your deathbed, the moment that you're sitting in, that you asked that question along the way, is going to look pretty good, like a pretty good moment. You may, there may be a few moments in life, a very few, where you've just had an accident, you've just gotten horrible news on the phone, you've just gotten a diagnosis, whatever, that, oh, there's a shock. And there is a tendency for the mind to want to flee that moment. That moment is hard, I grant you. But for the most part, we are just inducing a lot of trouble in our minds. All right? We're just dreaming, nightmaring away. 
that you can switch this habit into joy. You can actually just choose it. Delight. A naturally occurring quality of awareness when you are sitting in your sweet spot, when you're just relaxed. And then the last quality I'll speak about is that of wonder. You begin to realize that you don't really have to have the answers to the big questions. Probably not going to anyway. But that we're living in a grand mystery. And everybody loves a good mystery, right? (laughs) We have got a grand mystery that we are sitting in here, right? I love the night sky here in Hawaii. What, what a privilege, by the way, talk about something to be grateful for. What a privilege to be able to see the night sky as people of old could see the night sky and be reminded of our place here every night. The vastness, the wonder of it, the unspeakable beauty And I like to use that sense of space of the night sky. I like to use that sense to consider that's sort of how I feel around all the very little dramas of my own life. Right? I I kind of picture the night sky hanging around, because after all it is. It's not just the night sky, it's the sky. I (laughs) I picture that sense of vast space around all the various arisings of my own life, of the world news, the latest threat, and on and on. Every single thing, not to, not to deny the event of it, but to put it in its context so that you don't feel locked in a closet with some terrible thing whether whether it's personal or it's a global issue. You live in a sense of wonder. You don't know how it's all going to turn out. You don't have to know. You hardly have to know anything. It's just a few things. <laughs> I just had the very great privilege of going to the East Coast for Christmas to be with my father, who has Parkinson's. And he is much diminished in just the five months since I last saw him, and in terms of his brain functioning. But all that's left of him is love. He is so sweet. It's it's like the sweetest part is what has kind of come to the fore. And um, here's a person who's been extremely high-functioning, had his trip together for 80 years, um, and now is not not high-functioning at all, has to have help doing almost everything. But the presence that is there and the love that he is and the sweetness of it all. And I was just struck with realizing... He doesn't need to know 
that much now. He doesn't have to know. And the most important thing to know, he does know. So we let ourselves sit in wonder, in silence, in tenderness, in embodiment, genuineness, delight. We just let ourselves be that naturally. So I'd like to just invite us to just sit for five minutes and just be. You don't even have to think about anything that's been spoken. The words have done their work. Thank you. Thank, thank you for inviting me. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com or on iTunes, Spotify, any number of platforms. We would be very grateful for a review, and we would also be very grateful for any donations. The U.S. donations are tax deductible. And lastly, I wanted to remind our friends in the Victoria area that we are having Dharma Dialogues on the Mornington Peninsula the last Sunday of September, October, and November 2022. Till next time.